Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Hey guys, welcome back to another week of Killer Cocktails. This is Drea. This is Jackie. And we are drinking the French 75. French 75. Jackie, what is the French 75? Okay, the French 75 is... Actually, you made them, so you give me the recipe. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> what you guys need is fresh lemon. You're going to squeeze that. I, I've i noticed from one lemon... Lemon? How limon. do you say lemon and... Lemon. Lemon. Um, so what I've noticed is... <laughs> oh, <laughs> Citron. Citron. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So what you're going to need is a lemon, which will, from my measurements, will give you three drinks. Our size lemon. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're going to get simple syrup. You're going to get gin and champagne in there. Yeah. So think about a mimosa on steroids with less, well, no orange juice. Yeah. Less juice, yeah. more booze. It's, These are... Ooh. I think I heard you earlier call this maybe like a cougar juice. I said this is the true cougar juice. <laughs> Because we always jokingly refer to Chardonnay as cougar mm, juice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if cougars were in the know, this is actual cougar juice. Yeah. Yeah. This is bomb. Um, I feel like uh, when life gives you lemons. Oh, my God. You should make a French 75. Hell, yeah. And when life also gives you gin and champagne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Life better <laughs> give you some other stuff, too. Um, okay, so it's called the french 75 or the 75 cocktail or in french it's simply known as the slapping cans that's how you remembered it so, so, swiping cans swipe <laughs> which is not swiping even. cans ain't much better swishmol cans kyle what is it Swaswan cans. Yes. <laughs> 75. And what that means is 60 plus 15 is 75. Mm-hmm. Because you have to do head math when you speak French, apparently. Sure. That's what I learned. Oh, but the number. In talking to your Got little it. croissant. <laughs> My little croissant. <laughs> um, it is believed that Scott Harry McElhone. McElhone. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a hard one. It's kind of like the guy who does It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, how he's McElhenney, but it's like crazy spelling. Mm-hmm. M-A-C, capital E-L-H-O-N-E. Whoa. That is weird. Scott Mac. I'm going to call him McElhone. Um, he was the owner of Harry's American Bar in Paris. Okay. So he named the drink in 1926. Um, is is kind of what legend says. So the inspiration for the title was apparently the 75 millimeter howitzer field gun, which was used by the French and Americans during World War One. Whoa! So the saying goes because the gun was known for its accuracy and speed. The French 75 is said to have such a kick that it is felt like being hit with such a weapon. Yeah, I can feel that. Yeah, yeah for sure. You've been <laughs> Giggle Town, USA. I was making like little comments to myself in the kitchen because <laughs> I was like, "This is a CD lemon. It came from the wrong side of the tracks." <laughs> you liked that one? Yeah. That's yeah. Good. Um, no, I think I think you had it right. You'd be out in the sun on a patio drinking these. It's a poolside drink. Poolside it's drink. A yeah. Summertime. Yeah. Yeah. They're very tasty, but be careful. Yeah. This this will sneak up onto you. I don't know if you. I don't know. Bubbles always get me. 
Yeah, so maybe the effort, maybe the way it's uh, absorbed gets mm-hmm. affected by bubbles. Bubbles. <laughs> Don't bubble, can effervescence and stuff impact, like, absorbency of, like, vitamins and things? No, nope, I don't okay. know. No idea. Um, so, Harry, Scott Harry, yeah, the dude who invented the drink from Harry's American Bar. So that guy never claimed that the drink was his own. He was always like, nah, 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 it started at the Bucks Club in London, and that, like, that's its conceptual home. And I just kind of, like, made it popular and talked about it. And so he was kind of like, give credit where credit's due. Mm-hmm. So while a lot of people like to give him credit, he's kind of like, it wasn't me. Yeah. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. me. <laughs> so, uh, but in different iterations under, like, different names and slightly different variations, it's kind of been a thing for a while. So Charles Dickens. Oh. Charles Dickens. Oh, Charles. Um, he visited Boston back in 1867. And he liked to entertain other local authors, and he'd have them to the Parker, his room at the Parker House. And he would serve, uh, this is according to an article that came out, that he would serve Tom Gin and champagne cups. Mm. And what a champagne cup is bubbly, so it's champagne, sugar, a citrus, and mm. ice. Oh, yeah. So that's a champagne cup, and then they would serve Tom Gin with it. Yeah. So essentially, a French 75. Um, but it just didn't have that name or any of that. The drink was featured prominently, I believe. I haven't seen this movie. Oh. <laughs> Spoiler. Uh, the drink is featured in the 1942 classic Casablanca. Aw, that's nice. Coming into this gin joint. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. Well, a long time ago. Should yeah. I see it? I don't remember. If, yeah. Maybe we should watch it together. Decent for an old movie? And we'll drink these. Hey. Yeah. We'll have a movie night. There you go. Black and white. Black and white. And all the gin joints in all the world, you had to walk into mine. There you go. You at least know the, the tag. Yeah. Yeah. That's the history of the French 75. Fun. That's rad. I yeah. like that. All right, Jackie. Are you ready to hear about some murder? Is it old? Yeah. <laughs> is is it. it from another country? Yes. Is it full of details that are horrible? Yes. Here we go. Woo. All aboard. Three for three. Chugga, 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 murder. So terrible. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Jackie, I'm going to tell you about Joseph Vacker, a.k.a. the French Ripper. Ooh. This is my third Ripper. Rippers are... Rippers are... It's going to be a good story. They're called a Ripper for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. All right. For a reason. (laughs) So Joseph was born on November 16th. 1869. Old. In Alpine Valley in southwest France. Alpine Valley. Mm-hmm. Sounds that, like a, yeah. A, a quaint little place. Mm-hmm. And France is my tie. There we go. He grew We should come up with later. We yeah. should come up with that we can put in like a, there should be a noise. You know how when you're watching, he, uh, when you're watching Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse. Oh God. From a long time ago when you were a child. Uh, Did you ever watch that as a kid? Uh, <laughs> well it was a children's <laughs> show before he went and like whacked off in a theater okay he was acceptable to have children watch his show sure and there was always a word of the day yeah and when they would say it the whole house everyone would go wow you said the word it was always like a big deal <laughs> we should have a little so like a version perhaps just a ding noise yeah. whatever it is but like when the tie gets said like bong yeah <laughs> I like Boy. that. <laughs> Something. <laughs> or us like clinking glasses yeah. or uh, jaggy. Full of ideas. Full of ideas. You're high. Full of something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First sentence down. Here we go. <laughs> I don't think we've had one episode where I didn't interrupt your first sentence. Okay. So Joseph, he grows up as a farmer's son. He was the fifth 
13th child. So many children. So many children. He grew up in poverty and was sent to a very strict Catholic school where he was taught to obey and fear God. He also started to have a temper and thought very highly of himself. Some of us do. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> uh, so to get away from all this, he joins the French army when he turns 17 and he loves it. He believes he is working hard. When he, was he born? 1869. Okay. Uh, so yeah, he's working hard. He's believing he's doing really well. He's, mm-hmm. he's starting to think he needs a promotion, but he never gets this promotion. So, so he's a millennial. <laughs> we work hard for that money. <laughs> I'm, I'm a millennial. <laughs> it's just an easy joke. Yeah. Um, so he feels like he's not getting into this recognition, so he decides to commit suicide. Oh, this um, took a turn. Yeah. Um, he tries to slit his throat with a razor blade, um, but he's not successful. He doesn't die. Whoa. And his commanders are like, man. He is really dedicated, so let's let's just promote him. So he becomes a corporal. Yeah. Interesting. So, uh, but his fellow soldiers um, find him very unsettling because he would either throat some mumble comments about flowing blood. What? To the point that some of them complained and Joseph was sent to the infirmary for observation. Isn't that weird? Yeah. So, um, out on sick leave, he met a young... Your stories are always good. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Oh, shucks. Um, so he's out on sick leave and he meets a young woman named Louise Barnett and he falls in love at first sight. He's like, oh, you're gorgeous. You're everything I've ever wanted. Her neck looks great. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, Louise did not find Joseph attractive. Um, so he. Keeps, this is going to end well. Yeah. Uh, so he keeps trying to ask her out and she keeps saying no. So when Joseph's contract is up, he tries to propose to Louise one last time. Yeah. Uh, but again, she turns him down. Mm-hmm. So he does what any sensible young man does when a woman denies him. He carries on with his life. Oh, just kidding. He actually shoots Luis you, four times. You tricked me. And then tries to commit suicide. Whoa. Yeah. Oh. Every, yeah. Every time. Just walk away. <laughs> mm. um, so she survives. And so does he. And she's he, how many times you shoot her? Four. She's the fifty cent of French. Oh my god. <laughs> Louise Barnett, we, come we, at me. We were just, she's the Susan B. Anthony dollar. <laughs> um Sacagawea coin. And so Joseph, when he tried to commit suicide, he shot himself twice in the head. In the head? In the head. And oh. yeah, and um it paralyzes one side of his face and one of the bullets actually remains inside his skull for the rest of his life. The human body is fascinating. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what to do with all the information you've told me. Okay. <laughs> okay. So once he recovers enough, the doctors send him to Dole Asylum, where he starts to attack doctors. He's throwing f- furniture. He's writing to authorities that he's being abused and held captive. Um, in August of 19... Uh, of, sorry. In August of 1893, Joseph escapes from the asylum, but is quickly ch- captured a few weeks later and sent back to Dole. On the train ride, he jumps out of a bathroom window and escapes again. Out of the bathroom of a moving train. Yes. Yes. And he's found two days later and sent back to the asylum yet again. Once there, he tries to kill himself by beating his head against a wall. Hmm. Um, at Dole, Joseph um, 
is declared not responsible for his actions. And after the local court finds him not guilty of his crimes against Luis due to insanity, Mm -hmm. he is sent to a state-run asylum near Grenoble. On the trip from Dole to the new asylum, Joseph again tries to escape, but he arrives at St. Robert Asylum in December of 1893. He spends just over three months there before being released in April of 1894, reportedly quote, quote, completely cured. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's only 25 at this point. Oh, there's still plenty of time to really go off the deep end. <laughs> yes. Um, and he's been, he's not in the military anymore. He's been released from the he's asylum. Just, he's just kind of loose in the wind. Yes. And he's, so he becomes like filthy and half of his face is paralyzed and it's drooping, which makes it hard for him to talk. Okay. And there's pus coming out of one of his eyes. So he's just wandering around, begging for food, all while carrying an assortment of knives, cleavers, and scissors. Hmm. And at this point, I was reading, this is like a little quick fact. There's 400,000 misplaced people in in France at this point during this time. And so there's a lot of beggars going around. And okay. so, yeah, there's just a lot of displaced people. Got it. Um, what I found interesting. Um, so during the next four years, beginning in 1894... Joseph murders and mutilates at least 11 people. Whoa. One woman, five teenage girls, five teenage boys. Uh, but some say it could be as many as 27. Dang. Yeah. That's kind of, I mean, mostly young, but kind of both gender. Yeah. Kind of all, he, his MO was kind of all over the place. Huh. His first known victim was 20 year, 20 year old, uh, Eugenia Delholm, who worked as a factory girl, and Joseph attacks her and stabs her in the neck, and then all of her body, and all over her body, and disembowels her and rapes her body. Mm. And this is in June of 1894. Um, I'm going to start telling you about all the attacks, and they're kind of graphic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so heads up, people at home. Um, and so this first attack seems very impulsive, and as he continues, his attacks become more deliberate and planned out mm-hmm. and rather than town dwellers this is after the 11 people he's killed now we're on to more no no these are now the 11 details people. of yeah, the 11. yeah okay um so he instead of just going for people like out in the open he's like focusing on like teenage shepherds who are watching their flocks in isolated fields what and the victims are stabbed repeatedly often disemboweled raped and sodomized um, in November of 1894, Joseph comes across Louise Marcel, who's 13 years old mm-hmm. and working as a shepherdess. Um, he attacks her. He cuts her throat and cuts off her breasts and then mutilates the rest of her body. A few months later, while walking along a public highway, he comes across Augustine Mortrex, who is 17 years old, and he attacks and kills her, but doesn't mutilate her as much so they don't connect the two killings okay. at first. Um, in August of 1895, he finds a widow, age 65, named Morad, in her isolated cottage. He cuts her throat from ear to ear and then has sex with her body. Mm. Um, one week later, Joseph comes across a 16-year-old boy named Portrelli, who is working as a shepherd. He kills the boy and carves up his body like you would cut up a sheep, and he leaves the body open and exposed. Whoa. Uh, his next two victims are a 17 and a 15 year old boy whom he kills and castrates. Uh, in 1896, he murders and rapes a 19 year old woman as well as a 14 year old girl, and he mutilates her genitalia. 
he kills a 14-year-old boy and throws his body down a well in May of 1897 before killing his last victim, a 13-year-old boy whom he also sodomizes in June of 1897. So he's just, for four years, he's just going Yuck. up and down. All of it. Yeah, he's wandering around. He's just coming across people randomly. Um, I think I... I almost have a harder time understanding when there's like a year between a murder or like mm-hmm. multiple months. Cause I, I can kind of wrap my mind around like spree killing, spree killing. Mm-hmm. They've cracked and they're on this like manic swing, mm-hmm. but like time in between is almost darker mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. And to, to see him getting more deliberate with his actions and yeah. actually hide, he starts hiding from, the bodies yeah. and yeah, he knows mm-hmm. what he's doing is wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, in 1897, Joseph attacks, uh, attempts to attack a woman in a field. She fights back and screams and her husband and son come, come rushing out. The men overpower Joseph and take him to a local tavern while the police are called. Yeah. Um, and Joseph reportedly entertains the locals by playing the accordion while they wait. Shut up. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. (laughs) That's nuts. <laughs> oh, hey, I was just trying to attack your wife. So is he charming? He's charming. Uh, when He's... I when I saw photos of him, I considered I thought he was good looking, hmm. but everyone describes him because well, he has as kind now, of now he has the deformed. Yeah. But 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 I think the you, pictures are from sometimes his... your personality. You know what I mean? Like yeah, but like I felt like the pictures were from the trial. So I'll show you later. Okay, okay. but um, the authorities have so the authorities come and they have little imagine evi- getting away from a serial killer. Yeah. I mean, all of Ted Bundy's. Oh, I know. Yeah. So the authorities show up and they have little evidence that Joseph was responsible for the other murders. But Joseph soon just confesses everything. Hmm. Okay. So Joseph claims that he's insane because when he was a kid, a dog bit him and they gave him this medicine and that's what drove him crazy. But then later he changed his mind and said that he was actually just sent by God, just like Joan of Arc, in order to make people think and understand the real virtues of faith. Hmm. Um, this is a little side story. While waiting trial, um, Joseph is alone in a cell and the warden comes in. Okay. And it's just him and the warden. And so Joseph takes this opportunity to start beating him with a chair. The warden? The warden. And nearly kills him until the other guards come and intervene. You're going to be in trouble for doing that. Oh, yeah. I don't know what you're doing. You're, you're being silly. Yeah. Just don't do that. Um, okay. So back to the little uh, trial process. So he's trying to plea insanity. So the court calls the premier forensic expert in France in the late 1800s. Yeah. What kind of forensics are happening in the late 1800s? I'm gonna tell you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he's trying to plea insanity. So the court calls the premier forensic expert in France, Alexandre Lacassonne. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna stand by that. To <laughs> just. Be confident. It's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> Actually, um, to figure out if this is true or not, a little backstory of Alexandre. He's one of the founding fathers of modern criminology. Like Freud's a founding father of I don't know. psychology? I don't know. Let, let, him ha- let him have this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just curious what it looks like back then. Yeah. Knowing oh. how shitty it was literally 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, founding father, it's the brick and mortar, you know, it's, you know, what? it's a huge part of its history. The fact yeah. that we're even thinking of it as a science. Yeah. Credit where credit's Bravo. due. I removed 
earlier tonation. <laughs> I recant my previous <laughs> statement. So over the course of five months, Alexandre and his associates examined Joseph. The principle of quote-unquote legal insanity was not well established in French mm-hmm. law at the time. So they looked at a couple key things. Somebody's got to be the first. Yeah. First, they determined that Joseph was aware of what his crimes were at the time he committed them, okay. which was apparent from his behavior in attacking the last woman and the prison in the warden. Yeah. Uh, next, they determined that Joseph was aware that the crimes were wrong because he tried to hide what he had done. In the end, while the panel determined that Joseph was occasionally delusional and suffered from uh, prosecution complex, they decided that this was not the root cause of his actions. As such, he was declared fit to stand trial. Prosecution complex is some sort of term they used to use? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Though he was considered responsible for 11 murders, he was charged with only one, since that would be sufficient to have him execute him. What's wrong? I, I get it. Sometimes I get bent out of shape when they only go for really minimal charges. Mm-hmm. Because if it doesn't pan out, you didn't charge them on the other stuff. But no, if it doesn't pan out, then they can hit them with the next murder. Then, okay. like, you All know right. what I mean? Okay. If they can get uh, okay. out of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I like I see where they're coming from okay. in that sense. And Why go through all the extra energy and effort yeah, of... and the money that goes through okay. 12 tra- trials. My mind has changed. Okay. Well, that was easy. <laughs> Sometimes it is. Um, as he entered the courtroom, he shouted, Glory to Jesus! Long live Joan of Arc! Glory to the great martyr of our time! Glory to the great savior! Ooh. Yeah. He's thrown on the theatrics at the end. Yeah. Some speculate that Joseph's theatrical play for insanity was due to a belief that he could escape from an, any asylum. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he's really good at it. Well, asylums have far less security than oh, prisons. Yeah. They're like, meh, just eat your peanuts, or I don't know what they do in asylums. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to my mind. Okay. Um, eat your peanuts. Eat your peanuts. Um, he definitely sought to dispute the trial by wearing his white rabbit hat as a symbol of purity, which is in that photo I was talking about. I'll show you that. And scre- I'm excited for this photo. <laughs> um, and he would screech and howl during the reading of evidence. He was just going bonkers. Uh, but Alexandre's thorough case to prove Joseph's scene uh, was more than enough to convince the jury. Joseph was found guilty and sentenced to death. In the meantime, Joseph becomes a media sensation, and all of the papers start picturing him with his scarred face, wearing his white rabbit fur hat. So, Joseph was executed by the guillotine two months later at dawn on December 31st, 1898. So, Joseph is walking up towards the guillotine, but he is refusing to walk towards it. And so they have to start... Dra- I mean, understandably. They had to drag him wouldn't all you, the way. Wouldn't you have to get dragged to a guillotine? You're saying this like you don't agree. I don't think... You I- just walk right up and put your head in the thing? Let's just get it... Like, did I have my last meal of 10 pounds of bacon? Like, sure. Let's go to this guillotine. It I feel where, sick. It depends where my head's at. I kind of feel like it'd be a struggle. I was the type of kid, I just had this conversation with my mom, I sat down, I got my shots, like, if you told me that's what's going on, I'm right there with you. I don't think I'm right there with you on my death. Yeah. My, so. I don't know. When I was a kid, they couldn't, I had to take a lot of medicine, and 
it would take both my mom and my dad to hold me down and I would grunt my teeth and I go <laughs> and I would just breathe through them and then they'd have to they had to clench my anyways it took two of them they had a it, they had it down you were difficult yes <laughs> <laughs> and um but my dad was out of town or something and my mom I needed my medicine. Yeah. So she called the hospital and she's like, this is the situation. Look. And they're like, okay, ha ha lady, bring your kid in. It took six doctors to hold me Shut down up. and get me How my medicine. at the time? Uh, I was like under eight. It's a strong ass eight year old. Because how are they going to get it in when my teeth are clenched? And ha, come out. Because they plug my nose and I just breathe. I just like, <laughs> I'm not taking your dirty medicine. <laughs> Get off me. I was literally the opposite. I feel like I was so pliable. Like, oh, just... God. I had, like, a... That's what that's what the adult in control... Like, that's what they said. All right. Yeah. I had one of those ventilator kind of things, and it was some kind of, like, vapor medicine? I don't know. But, like, I was... Breathing I, treatment, yeah. Yeah, I was supposed to keep it, like, all, like in and around my mouth. <laughs> don't laugh. I'm a child. <laughs> <laughs> that's not why I'm laughing. I'm laughing because you're going like this. <laughs> But, like, my mom would leave the room, and, like, it wasn't just on my face. Yeah. So I'd, like, blow it out the cat. I'd blow it up my shirt. I'd just, like, woo! And she'd come back in the room, and I'd put it back in my mouth. And I was just like, Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Anywho, I was an only child. All right. So, dragged him to the thing. Okay. In popular culture, in 1976, French filmmaker Breton travenir made a film called oh, it's all in french um the judge and the murderer which was inspired, he made a french film called yeah. the judge and the murderer <laughs> which was inspired by all yeah. all the um, what year was it well, that was 1976 but oh. it, which is interesting is like i've the never 70s, they made a bunch of movies about murder too not yeah. only was it like the time of the prime uh, but i feel made like a bunch of, of like murder movies and i've never seen like i've never seen a documentary about this i've never seen any never seen anything about this so it was very interesting to read about this there's a lot going on yeah yeah the french ripper the french ripper and that's joseph vacker 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 Drea. thank you nice job as always i'm amazing <laughs> oh my god you guys if you want to get confidence drink some bubbles yeah or just hang out with us for a day <laughs> Okay, I'm going to tell you about Pascal Payet. French? He's French. He's French. Is that your uh, tie? Yeah. Nice. Um, So he's a French dude. He was born in Montpellier, France on July 7th, 1963. 1963. All right. He spent his childhood in, I'm going to guess Lyon is how you say it, um, before settling in Marseille. In 1988... He was convicted of aggravated assault and then again in 1993 for conspiracy. Okay. So he's kind of got some, some crimes or a Bruin or, or a Bruin. Um, on November 20th, 1997, he participated in an attack on an armored car. What? Is dur- this a heist? During yes. which a guard was killed. Oh no. Which often happens in a heist. Okay. Um, so the... I took it out because it was super French, but they're like, it's the, it's like the Bank of France. Um, he was arrested along with Eric Alboreo in Paris in January, 1999. So the heist happens in 97, takes them a while to like catch these dudes, but they catch him and another guy that was a part of it in 1999. 
So Payette was the one that, so Pascal killed the guard. So it wasn't like he was a part of the heist and he's getting looped in on the yeah, murder yeah. charge. he did it. He shot the driver 14 times. Oh, um, with what kind of gun do we know? Uh, we don't know what kind of gun. Okay. He was found guilty of murder okay. and received a 30-year prison sentence in France's, ooh, so L-U-Y-N-E-S, Luines. Sure. Uh, it's, a, it's the name of a prison. So during an exercise break, he's, he's like scoping out the area. Yes. And he realizes that the prison has a vulnerability. Yeah. Um, most European prisons are equipped with exercise yards on their roofs. Okay. So while he's out there, he's kind of like checking it out and looking up and he's kind of like scoping it and he goes, um, this is how I'm going to escape. A chopper. Yes. <gasps> Stop it. Are you serious? So Jackie, there are not many details that are known about oh how like all the iterations of the heist. Yeah. Uh, but on October 12th, 2001. What? Payette and his friends, like his friends hijack a helicopter and they landed on the exercise roof what? at a predetermined time. They pick him up and they fly off. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's in the middle of the day. It's a daring maneuver. People are just having yard time. Yep. And, and he's like, three o'clock, meet me on the roof. Oh my God, is that a chopper? It's getting real close. What is it doing? Is it late? He's that not a chopper. Is- <laughs> he's not. Jump. Daddy will catch you. <laughs> Wait, and they get away? Boosh, off they go. How many of them? Uh, it's at least him and another dude, I think. What? Where the... Well, it might just be him this time. This time? Is yeah. there more? <laughs> get ready. <gasps> you put it down like you were done. No. Oh, my God. Oh, because I told you it was short. Okay. Okay. So that happened in October okay, 2001. Okay, wait, and there's there no guards shooting at the chopper? There's a whole thing going on. They get away. What? But you never leave a man behind. Oh, no. On April 14th, 2003. Okay, a couple years later. Payette organized another helicopter <laughs> escape from the prison. The same one? This time, oh, yeah. Frank Perletto, Michael Valero, and Eric Albareo, who got arrested with him. Yeah. Are who he's trying to go back for. Aw. So this, those guys are caught. They're caught three weeks later. Okay, wait. So they do escape so, on the chopper. Payette gets off on the chopper. Yeah, he's gone. Arranges for another chopper to come. Years later. And, and years later, pick up like the dude that got left behind that was a part of the robbery with him yeah. and a couple other guys that probably helped him out when he was prison in there before. Yeah, prison friends. They get away and then they're caught three weeks later. All of them? I think so. Even our main dude? Let's let's keep reading. Okay. Um. So in January 2005... So, yes, he was caught again, so now he's, like, back in the, the prison system. Dang it. He's sentenced to 30 years in prison for the murder in connection with the 1997 or so, I think, kind of same same sentence as before. Yeah. Um, the sentence is upheld in May 2006 following an appeal. So he took it to appeals, and they were like, nope, 30 years is what you, what you deserve. Um, he had published an open letter in, so this is a year before the appeal had come back, in December of 2005, titled the saga of my transfers in french it's something i can't say but the saga <laughs> of my transfers go ahead jackie <laughs> leo poppy de mes transfers <laughs> sounds beautiful <laughs> um he basically he's saying if i'm gonna kind of oh maybe there's some good math in here uh 
So before he wrote that letter, he had gone on a hunger strike. Okay. In protest of how many transfers he'd have because he had been transferred to nine different prisons in 30 months. So a little over wow. two years, nine different prisons. Uh, in was Jan- he upset because he was trying to escape? And he's like, yes. y'all trying to yes. damper my... In oh. January 2007, he confessed to organizing the escape in 2003. He was sentenced to an additional seven years for getting the other guys out of prison. What? Um, his co-conspirators were each sentenced to three. So he gets more time because he, like, arranged it. But why did he confess? They were putting Probably, the pressure yeah, on him. Yeah, there must be, yeah. you know, who knows. Um, and he's also sentenced to another six years for his own escape in 2001. So he escapes, gets extra time for getting out. He gets extra time for getting the other dudes out. And now he's got the time for the murder from the yeah. heist back in 97. So part of them transferring him all the time is they're like, we don't want him to figure out the vulnerabilities of whatever prison good, he's in. Good on them for they like... They just keep yeah. moving him. And he's like, you're not like, I can't make any friends. <laughs> I mean, I made that up. But <laughs> I was this close to getting the pudding cups. You should always be in the new kid <laughs> in prison. I think establishing yourself in prison yeah. is important. It's a safety issue, probably. Being the new kid's a problem. At least in American prison. Yeah. Is what TV tells me. <laughs> Orange um, is the new black. <laughs> so by July 2007, okay, um, Payette was one of the most closely surveilled prisoners in France. Wow. Um, he's never kept at the same prison for more than six months. Um, he had been officially classified as detenu pour servant. I think you like honed in on how to speak French. You gotta just gotta mumble through it. Um, or what's also known as a prisoner under especially high surveillance. Oh my God. It sounded um, better in French. <laughs> <laughs> That's a romance language. Yeah. Uh, he was placed in solitary confinement. So that kind of sucks. Yeah. No, that. So he doesn't get you, to make any friends. And you don't get, you don't get books in solitary? is not, I don't, you don't want to be in solitary. You just get, it's you and your bed and your toilet, right? Yeah. Essentially. Even people who are like terrified of being around other prisoners are like, That's torture. Ugh. So despite uh, despite these measures of them being like on it, yeah, on July fourteenth, two thousand seven, taking advantage of Bastille Day celebrations, it's a big French holiday. They wear hats and it's like a thing. Four masked men hijacked a helicopter from Cannes Airport. They used it to free Payette from his solitary confinement in a prison. What? The helicopter landed sometime. Uh, it's like. 38 kilometers north of this other... So basically, they land this helicopter. Yeah. And they storm the prison with... Uh, How masks, many of them? Masks, four of them? Four dudes. Uh, Payette and his accomplices then fled the scene, and the pilot was released unharmed. Because they, like... There's just, a, they just took it yeah, hostage. Yeah. Uh, two days after his escape, a European arrest warrant was issued for him. This is his personally second escape Wait, from prison, but he's arranged by helicopter. three of them by helicopter. Wait, how... How is he? Are they not tapping the phones when he's calling? Are they not reading his letters when they're like, obviously someone's secret language? Four dudes are coming in with a chopper. They storm. They know exactly where he is in solitary confinement. They know how to get him out of that cell. Do you think it was an inside job at any point? I mean, somebody's got to be involved. You think some of the guards are involved? Yeah. I try to think like the most obvious, which I don't want to throw this guy under the bus. I don't know this to be true. But the only communication that's not monitored is between you and your lawyer. Oh... And you know he probably has a family lawyer. And that, right, well, blah, and that's blah. and I'm saying in America, who knows what the yeah, rules yeah. are in France? Yeah. But and for like, I would think most lawyers, almost all of them, 
are going to be they hold themselves in a very high regard mm-hmm. and they're not going to be a part of that whatsoever yeah um but i, I imagine there's all sorts of ways to get you know what i mean like wow. you, don't, you don't have to use that avenue I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. sure you could do it other ways yeah wow that's crazy mm-hmm. so it's not a good time to know how to fly choppers <laughs> so off he goes so uh, that was in, that was July, right? Okay. So in September of 2001, uh, in the town of Madaro, it's a suburb of Barcelona, so he's in Spain. Uh-huh. Um, he's transferred to French custody, so they catch him. Oh. He's transferred to French custody. I shouldn't be rooting for him. But, uh, it's, when it's, but, you're, but it's, it's kind of a, exciting. It's a good heist. Um, along oh, with geez. two accomplices, they're captured with him. These are, uh, these other guys, I'm not going to try to say their names, but they're difficult. Um, <laughs> he was then imprisoned in a location which has been kept secret for security <gasps> reasons. Whoa. On June 25th, 2008... Uh, he's sentenced to 15 years in prison with no chance of early release um, for a series of armed robberies and assault. Like, all everything's all piling up. Yeah. Uh, in 2011, he's sentenced to an additional five years for the additional escape. Wow. Um, his three accomplices were given nine years, seven years, and six years, uh, respectively. Um, some other prisoners judged uh, complicit in the escape, so played a part of it that weren't part of the escape, but, yeah. like, uh, helped. Uh, they're given like lesser sentences, so those aren't called out in here. Um, I'll also tell you that Payette is married. He has two kids. Oh, I don't know if these are prior or these are uh, a prison. And so they relationship have to go to a different prison every six months. I don't know. Oh, or the, do they, are they, they allowed to know where know. he is? Yeah. Um, so in pop culture, uh, he's obviously a well-known escape artist. So yeah. like big deal in France. Um, there, he's showcased on the Netflix original. White Rabbit Project, Jailbreak oh. episode. Oh. Um, and then there's a couple, like, so he's popped up a couple different times. He currently holds the world record for planning the most number of escapes by helicopter. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what was it before? Zero? Yeah. Just like, wow. That's crazy. Dude, that's a great story. Yeah. Your story re-triggered how much i love prison breaks yeah and i was like i don't i will find a time like most people have if you've got a prison break maybe they killed someone like yeah 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 that's my tie into the true crime and the murder but wow. i wanted a prison break story how and he was it was he part of a mob some kind of like french no and look him up he's like Super attractive for like a oh. slightly older fellow. Yeah, yeah, like not an old dude, like a Clooney, old, slightly older than us, like a Clooney, not even Clooney, oh. like a little younger. Oh, but well. you can tell he's just this debonair, <laughs> and attractive French man. And he wasn't part of a mob. He's just doing well with the heist thing. Who knows? Okay, that's crazy. That's that was a great story. Yeah, dude, right. that was rad. I love that. That that reminds me of the like um not. Murph the Smurf or whatever it was. Uh, Murph the Surf. That, like, episode. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. That Like, the same kind of... Just exciting. Yeah. What is this crazy fool gonna do next? <laughs> Choppers. Choppers! And to get all those people to come for him, he must be, like, loaded. Or, like... That was... I had that same thought. There's yeah. gotta be money. Oh, so much loyalty behind it. Loyalty and yeah. money. Yeah. Because yeah. for them to risk everything to come get this guy. Because you're adding prison. sentences onto your bid. Yeah. That's crazy. In the, the midst of it all, he's a wife and kids. Like, Yeah, I'm curious. I, I, if I don't think the internet in my rudimentary searching, yeah. um, I don't know when that transpired. In the episode, it's just an episode in that series? I think so. I, I 
I don't know. I'm not familiar with that series, so I don't know yeah. if the whole thing is about prison breaks and that's an episode about him, or if yeah. it's an episode, like if it's a show about completely other stuff. And no, I like, don't know. If we ever find ourselves down in San Francisco, like I obviously want to go to Alcatraz and like. Have you ever physically been to Alcatraz? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I've been, but never had the tour. What? Like you went? We haven't talked about this. No. So there's a thing you can do on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> Why aren't you with your family? I ended up with my family. Okay. My sister and her friend and I, uh-huh. someone told me about it. And I was like, this sounds really cool. So I was unaware that in after the prison shut down, yeah. before it became a uh, national park uh-huh. or na- whatever it is, um, it was just abandoned. Yeah. And during that time frame, a collection of, not one, but a collection of... Uh, I'm going to botch this story, so I apologize for missing some details. Uh, a collection of Native American tribes mm-hmm. yeah. took it over. Yeah. And had it for like 10 years, yeah. 15, like a decent amount of time. Yeah. And then eventually they got kicked off of it and it became what it is now. Yeah. But every year for Thanksgiving, you have to take the first ferry out of San Francisco to Alcatraz. And if you make that ferry, then you're there in time. And there's this big celebration where they do all of this. Like, they do a bunch of Native American stories and dances. Oh, wow. and, like, it's this whole, like, anti-Thanksgiving, telling the other side, yeah. celebrating cultures. Yeah. Um, um, it was just, it was a really interesting experience. Okay. Yeah. And then we made it back to the city and then inappropriately had Thanksgiving dinner with our families afterwards. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been... I've been once when I was younger. I think it was one of I had weird birthdays when I grew up. I went to Hearst Castle, and I um, went. These are amazing birthdays. Yeah, and I went to Winchester Mystery House. Yes. I was like, and it was just me and my family. I was like, I want. This is what this I want to do. I want. And I went to Alcatraz, and we did the. I like. They're like, you could do this tour. You could do the escape. I was like, the escape tour. Obviously, like, and like, yeah, I want to go back and listen. All right. Thank you for listening, as always. Um, we highly recommend the French seventy five. Um, check us out on Instagram, our website. Uh, look at the contact us section if you want to send me a letter. I don't know. I'll accept one. Um, look at our postage address there. Please put a <laughs> review on iTunes if you're listening through iTunes. Just pop over real fast. We're getting we're getting real excited about our reviews. We haven't gotten one in a while. If you guys are enjoying this and have the time and want to write us a review, please go ahead and do it. We would absolutely love and appreciate that. I don't think you know how much joy it brings us. Oh, my God. I giggle like a schoolgirl. If we bring you joy with our silly podcast, <laughs> take two minutes out of your day and give us two minutes of joy. Yay. Probably, actually, it probably last all day. I'm sorry. That's the highlight of my week. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, as always, thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast or stop by our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, for up to date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at MichelleFirmDesign.com. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on hashtag Murder Mondays. <laughs> 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 ha 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 